0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk trade. Uh, The uh, Prime Minister is uh, pushing right now to uh, have the EU leaders uh, ratify a deal that they've been talking about for quite some time. And as we said, even when there's an agreement in principle, until you the governing bodies, the parliaments, uh, the legislatures, whatever it might be, actually ratify that, there is no deal in place. And uh, the deal we're talking about here is the, uh, the CETA deal. It's called the Comprehensive Economic Trade Agreement. Uh, joining us in studio here to talk about this is uh, Marvin Ryder from the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster. Thanks for coming in today. Glad to be here, did, Bill. Did you beat the rain? Uh,
1: n- <laughs> no, and I thought it was hilarious. I saw some people out washing windows while it was raining. <laughs> I, I hated to tell them. I think that's an uphill task.
0: Torrential rain, and that's a thunderstorm and uh, rain warning for the Hamilton area, by the way. So uh, keep an eye on your uh, your drains down in Absolutely. the basement as we go through. All right, let, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. It's, it's uh, been a tough year for Canada when it comes to international trade deals. <laughs> I think uh, that's a massive understatement. Well,
1: I, I would say it's a mixed year, Bill. But let's talk about CETA specifically. And if you yeah. don't mind, I want to take you back before we go forward. Uh, CETA, this comprehensive agreement on trades and tariffs, um, was begun under Stephen Harper. Uh, it was finished under Justin Trudeau. And on October 30th, 2016, not quite three years ago, uh, Mr. Trudeau went to Europe for a big signing ceremony. Of course, the signing ceremonies don't mean anything. So the next step is ratification. And on September uh, 2017, a little less than two years ago, the European Parliament ratified the deal. And you would like to think, well, then it's done. It's done. Hallelujah. But the uh, European courts determined that this trade deal was what they called a mixed trade deal, meaning that it needed ratification by both the European Union Parliament and all 28 member states. Good luck luck with that. Good luck with that. So um, the good news was that on September 21st, 2017, 90% of the agreement came into force because the European controlled those things. But to get the full value, you had to go place by place. Now, Bill, I'm going to give you a test. (laughs) I'm going to give you a test. There are 28 nation members of the European Union. The following 13 have ratified CETA. I'm going to read the names to you. I want you to tell me what names jump out at you because they're not on this list. They're not on this list. Here are the people who have ratified it. Austria, Croatia, the Czech Republic, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, Latvia, Lithuania, Malta, Portugal, Spain, Sweden, and the United Kingdom. We got
0: Malta on, though.
1: You got Malta, thank God where's, for Malta. Where's
0: France and where's Germany?
1: Where's France and where's Germany? So outside of the United Kingdom, and of course the United Kingdom's continuing membership in the European Union is under question, the two biggest economies are France and Germany. So what Mr. Trudeau has been doing at all of these big meetings, the G8, the G20, the NATO meetings, he's had these little side talks with Andrea Merkel and, and uh, Mr. Macron from France to say, hey... Where are you guys on this? Now, again, here's the good news. His talking with Mr. Macron has worked. And just about a month ago, on June 17th, the French parliament, the National Assembly in France, introduced legislation to ratify the deal. And Mr. Macron has given Mr. Trudeau, as best he can, an assurance that it will be done by the end of this year. Good. Okay, that would be number 14. We're halfway there. But there are other countries. You mentioned Germany, but there's Italy isn't on that list. Netherlands isn't on that list. Belgium's not on that list. And so what is happening today and tomorrow is that a fellow named Donald Tusk and a fellow named Paul Juncker, uh, these are the closest you get to presidents, if you will, of the whole European Union, are visiting Montreal for a two-day summit. They're going to talk about all kinds of things. They're going to talk about security. They're probably going to talk about the Iran situation, uh, other international things. But the one that we want to talk to them about is, okay, guys, it's been almost two years. What can you do to round up these other members and get them to sign this. And I think that's what he's going to press a lot in Montreal over these two days. Mr. Trudeau would like a win. And now you mentioned that it's been a tough year for Canada on trade. And certainly when it comes to China, there is no better way to describe it than a tough year with, with the United States. It's been actually a good year in the sense that we signed a North American free trade deal, whatever you want to call it, USMCA, Musca, Cusma, whatever you want to call it. Uh, But the ratification is getting bogged down a little bit. But, you know, again, I look at the glass half full. Mexico was signed on. Canada will likely ratify it before the summer is out. That just leaves the United States. We're moving on that file. The China file is the one that's mired down. So as we head into a fall election, I think Mr. Trudeau wants to point at some of his successes. He just needs a little more out of Europe at this point. What's the holdup?
0: Uh, why? Why no? Well, France, I guess we can put the you know, on this side of the ledger now because you got that agreement. And, moving, and, yes. Uh, but but what about the rest of them, Germany and, and these others,
1: and Italy? I mean, is there a problem with some of the, the <laughs> stuff in that? <laughs> well, Bill, uh, welcome to politics, Politics yeah. 101. Uh, nothing ever stands still. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, Mr. Trump in the United States was elected on a wave of populism. Populism is kind of what's good for me comes first, what's good for everybody else comes second. So the Italian parliament... Uh, The German parliament, Bundestag, uh, and others are a little concerned and they're just not sure there's enough protection for their local industries. Oh, they'd love to have access to Canada and and then through Canada, maybe to the United States and the rest of North America. That's the easy part, but oh, I don't know if I want to give up my own local concern. So, uh, and by the way, most of this comes down to agriculture. It almost always comes down to agriculture. We're worried about the little farmers. Do they have enough protection? Do they have those things? And so, because governments, there are elections and governments change, their philosophies change, there's some concern. And now, if we don't get and I'll be I'll be evil here Bill uh, one country that's not on the list is Poland. Well, if we don't get Poland on board it's probably not the end of the world but by god we sure need Germany and France to be a part of this. We'd love to have Italy as part of this. I think it's interesting Spain who's the fourth largest territorial economy in Europe, I'm taking the United Kingdom out of this, they're on board, Portugal's on board, so many of them, but we. I think this is what Mr. Trudeau keeps trying to do at all these meetings is with these little one-on-ones, encourage them to come on board. But that's the problem. 28 nations have to ratify this. You might think NAFTA's hard, but it's only three. 28. But to, to have these heartful discussions,
0: I mean, I can understand the Italian situation because of the politics of there. Uh, you know they usually have coalition governments. Uh, mm. They've probably had two elections since you and I started talking a few minutes ago. Could have yes, uh, they seem to fall apart all the time. So yep. it's going to be hard to get consensus there. It would be. But you've got strong leadership in those other two, in France and in Germany. It's. Uh, I mean, if Merkel wanted this to go, it, it goes. That's that's. Yeah,
1: pretty- you you would think that Bill. She she is a strong leader. Unfortunately, in the last two years, her party has been losing seats as they have regional elections. And then there's another question as to how much a country like Germany can approve this at the national level, or do they have to get local governments? So do they need to get the Bavarian people? It would be like going province by province as opposed to having Canada vote for this. Do I have Quebec on board? And the minute you bring it down, so take the Belgium situation. You may not remember this but uh, in 2017 a regional parliament in a little area called Wallunia Wallunia wonderful name Wallunia they were the ones holding up Belgium's approval I remember that yeah and um, and they're still not on board even today they they came on board enough that Belgium could sign it, if you will, at the EU level, but in terms of the local level, it has not. And that's, that's some of the problem still with the European Union. If anyone thinks they speak with one voice, they don't. They are 28 people in a chorus, but not all of them are on key all the time. Well, to your point about politics, too, uh, you're, I mean, Merkel's party
0: has lost a number of seats, uh, and it's been to this hard right party, the opposition party there, so, which, of course, is, is espousing that populism that you just talked about. Right. Like, we don't need the rest of the world.
1: Right. You know, we're, we're the strong people here. We don't need this sort of thing. Or, again, Bill, let me, let me again be candid. I, I think this is a great deal for both sides. I think it's a great deal for Canada. It's a great deal for the European Union. But, on a list of their top five priorities, I'm not sure it's there. In other words, uh, Germany has some issues with um, uh, immigration, you know, the great flood, the exodus of people from North Africa that came in trying to settle those things down, some security issues. I think Europe is much more concerned about the state of Iran and getting nuclear weapons back than said we are here in Canada. So I, I, don't, I can't actually blame them always that they're – list, top ten list or top five list to do is not including Canada on this. But Mr. Trudeau, again, I'm going to say this, and I know there will be people who hate me for saying this, I think he actually is very effective when he meets with these leaders one-on-one because he has a really simple pitch. If you can't get a free trade deal with Canada, who's the nicest country in the world, who the hell are you going to get a free trade agreement with? If, if you say, well, we really would rather have one with the United States, good luck with that. We've watched Mr. Trump up close. Yeah. <laughs> your, your ability to get that is next to nothing. We're, we're your friends, and especially with France. Uh, England and Germany to some ways. There's a big displaced population who make up this country. Uh, my roots, if you go back far enough, are German and, and English. Uh, I don't have many French connections to me, but, you know, th- these are sort of native people. We're, we're friends, we're buddies, and so I think he keeps pressing that. I have great confidence. They've got four years to do this. We're not two years into the process, so we're not up against a big deadline at the moment, but I think this is why When you can bring Mr. Juncker and Mr. Tusk onto Canadian soil in Montreal and wine them and dine them for a couple of days, this is something you want to bring to their attention. But when you look at the balance sheet here,
0: like you say, NAFTA is there, NAFTA two, whatever you want to call it. Uh, which will probably eventually be ratified by the United States. I don't know if what's going to happen before the election next year, but it's as you say, there's still a window of opportunity. Uh, the China thing is not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, but we, we, can can he hang his hat on the CETA deal and say, "Yeah, but look what we got. This is really going to benefit a, a number of sectors in the Canadian economy."
1: Well, and he'll also mention the Trans-Pacific Partnership, sure. which, which is, or we can now call it TPP 11, because it doesn't include the United States but includes 11 other nations. And, and you know, this is really kind of odd. This whole thing, whether it's free trade with Europe, free trade with the Pacific Rim, other countries that we've had free trade agreements with, that sounds much more like a small C or a big C conservative agenda. They're always talking trade. So why he wants this is it cuts off some of the people who say you're not friendly to business. He's friendly to business, but he's trying to do it in some kind of a balanced way. Uh, and I think I think he can point to those things. Now, will that get votes in the fall? It, Bill, I... I'm not a political uh, scientist, but as an observer of politics, it always seems to me elections boil down to, am I better off today than I was four years ago? If I feel good, if I feel the economy is strong, if I feel secure in my job, let's keep that guy in for four more years. If I don't feel good about my personal lot in life, let's get rid of the person. That's what sort of what happened with Kathleen Wynn last year, even though she did some tremendous things, I think socially, the average person said, oh, my hydro bill's gone up, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this, let's put somebody else in charge. Mind you, again, we've seen how well that has worked out for Ontario, but we tend to vote against a party yeah. or reaffirm them as not so much the opposition that we're voting for.
0: Well, we've had an, uh, a number of discussions, of course, about the negotiations in the in the NAFTA deal, and uh, one of the the stumbling blocks, of course, was the dairy industry, yes. and uh, and that is now in that deal, and we heard that they were not happy with the way that it was nope. negotiated, especially in Quebec. Yet when you look at the polling numbers, the Liberals are doing extremely well in Quebec, better than they did in the last couple of years, as a matter of fact. So I'm sure there are some discontented people there, but it doesn't
1: seem to be spreading. Yeah, Bill, my my roots, both of my parents came from farms, and so there are many family friends who come from farms. And I, I understand the concern, and it's I call it a myopic concern. Let me try to explain that to you. Uh, These nice farmers say, you're going to let Americans come into my market. I've had control of my market and I'm going to lose. And I say, yes, yeah, you might lose a little. And this free trade deal... Uh, we're prepared to give the Americans up to a half a percent more of the dairy market. That's not a lot. But what are we getting in exchange? You now have better access to the American market. And and the Canadian market is one-tenth the size of the American market. If you can get a bigger chunk of the American market, go for it. And that's the problem. We need to get Canadians thinking not so much about, what am I losing locally, but what am I gaining access to? If I can get into these markets and start selling my products abroad, think of what it's going to do for me. And, and frankly, frankly, Bill, Canada's standard of living is entirely based on our ability to export. If we only sell to ourselves, we would not have the standard of living we enjoy. We have to get out there and trade. Yes, there's damage. China's a great example. We've been selling to China, we've been selling a lot of stuff to China, and then all of a sudden China changes its mind, it's going to hurt us. But that's what you have to do to maintain this. You've got to get out there. So I would say to the dairy farmers, whether they're in Ontario or Quebec, yes, I understand you're worried about losing a little bit of share locally. But go after what you can get in the United States. There are people there desperate for your products. But uh, are those doors
0: open? Uh, for instance, uh, let's, let's assume the Cedar deal gets ratified and everything's fine. Yeah. Uh, can they sell those dairy products in France?
1: Well, that's, see, this is the concern. France perhaps— Because uh,
0: uh, as you remember, in the early part of these negotiations, yeah. uh, Stephen Harper went through the same thing yeah. with the dairy industry.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, put the dairy industry aside for a second. Obviously, if you go to France and you say we'd like to get Canadian wines into France, that's blasphemy in France. Yeah. I think Italy is a different situation there. I think Italy is always worried about their cheeses, their famous cheeses, whether it's, you know... um uh, now I can't think of Parmesan or whether it's uh, some of the other hard Asiago, cheeses. Yeah. Asiago, whatever. I think that might be Greek. But anyway, these, these various cheeses. So they're concerned about that. But I think on balance, there's room for us all. And, and I will tell you, Bill, since this deal was ratified on September 21, 2017 by the European Parliament, our trade with the European Union is up 7%. We're selling 7% more. That's more than the rate of inflation. So it says there is a market for Canadian goods if you can make the tariffs go away. And, and I, I never fear free trade. If you know what you're doing, you can be efficient what you're doing, you can survive in a free trade world. Uh, uh, in fact, tariffs actually, if you will, infantilize an industry because what we're saying to people is you can't compete on a world stage, so we're going to put these artificial barriers to protect you. We need to be good on a global level, and I think a lot of Canadian firms can be. Marvin Ryder from the DeGroote School of Business. Thanks for coming in today. Glad to be here. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.